Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's It's the the Arner Adventures Adventures Podcast. Hello everybody, I'm Jerry. And I'm Shannon. Betty White is here with us because she knows our guest today is a big animal lover. We are here for episode 12 of the Arner Adventures podcast. Today's episode is another Spark in Our Lives guest episode where we interview someone who has been, you guessed it, a spark in our lives. Well, before we get to our guest, let's get to our review of the week. This one comes from Sue840. Sue says, Love this show. Having been someone who keeps a lot of stuff, This show is refreshing and makes me reevaluate the things that I keep and what holds me back from possibly living the life I desire. This couple makes me feel that I can truly have a different mindset and take the road of living a full life with less baggage. Great for business owners who want to avoid burnout, too. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Thanks, Sue. Thank you, Sue. You're something. (laughs) <laughs> you are something, Sue. That's great. It, you know, it sounds like Sue may have benefited from our declutter challenge. If you want to jump on board with that or maybe grab our travel prep list to save you time and not have to check luggage, because let me tell you something, there is not much worse than standing at that baggage carousel. Let me just let you in on something. If you ever travel with me, you better not check luggage because you're going to get left behind. (laughs) (laughs) I do not stand at that luggage carousel. Folks, I have a personal account of of that. (laughs) I'm I'm kidding, but... Yeah, Jerry knows better. But I I have been aware that 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 could be a possibility. You do not check luggage Mm -hmm. when you're with me. You do not check luggage because you will get left behind. There is nothing worse than having to stand and wait for that luggage carousel and you're just you know what you're doing you're just missing out on time that you could be vacaying okay so you can download our travel prep list to save you time and enjoy more time on your vacation or any other resources that we offer you can go to arneradventures.com slash resources and i am willing to bet you that that is what sue is benefiting from And if you'd like to be our review of the week and get the chance to receive a gift from Sugarwish, please take a moment and give us a five-star reviewer rating. We have an easy link for you all to follow. It's lovethepodcast.com slash Adventures, but we will also link it for you in the show notes. Really helps us so much to support us in that way. Listen, let's go ahead and get to the guest today. Now, Jerry wasn't at this virtual meeting. He missed out. He was probably waiting at some baggage carousel somewhere. 
<laughs> no, he was on his own adventure. Or the carousel, the baggage carousel at the Food Lion. Maybe. <laughs> right. Our guest today is Trisha O'Malley. Trisha is a best-selling author on look everything, everything. New York Times. Uh, Wall Street, everything. She's a best-selling author. She lives on a Caribbean island, living the dream. She is near and dear to our hearts because she's an animal advocate, a scuba diver, living her best life, and we love her story. We're thrilled to have had her agree to come on the podcast. As always, we always say... We, we can never, ever believe when someone says yes <laughs> to being a guest on the podcast. And she agreed to be on. She epitomizes adventure and is a true spark in our life. I'll tell you that the, the books that I love are, of course, the ones that she writes that are all about travel and adventure. And I'm actually getting ready to start her mermaid series. And I'm excited about starting starting those series. So anyway, let's just get to the episode so you can meet her, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, who wouldn't be excited about beginning a mermaid series? That's right. That's right. <laughs> she believes in mermaids. I believe in mermaids. So um, let's get to it. Let's go. We have an exciting guest today, one who can take you on an adventure anytime you want, through writing that is. Our guest is Trisha O'Malley. Trisha O'Malley is a New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of contemporary romance, paranormal romance, and cozy mystery novels. She lives in the Caribbean, we're not jealous at all, with her handsome Scotsman and her dog Blue. An avid scuba diver, Trisha spends much of her time underwater dreaming up new stories while photographing the beautiful sea life. Trisha loves fun vacation reads, believes in mermaids, I do too, and has a serious travel addiction. We can also relate to that. She discovers her inspiration on the go, and you'll find her books set in beautiful settings with characters who deserve a happily ever after. With over three million books read, Trisha's stories have touched hearts around the world. To see some of her underwater or island life photos, visit her on Facebook or Instagram, which we're going to link down in the show notes. Welcome, Trisha. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. We are so excited, um, especially we have, I feel like we have so much synergy and also jealousy of your lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> So where I know you write about all of these places and I know that you, you, your, I guess your actual life is in the Caribbean. Are you in the Caribbean right now? I am in the Caribbean right now. I live here full time. Okay. And, uh, I actually am under the air conditioning and I have my, as you can see behind me, I've got my blinds closed against the sun right now. So yes, it's a very breezy, warm day here. What is the temperature currently where you are? Um, I think it's 87 today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. No, we're totally not jealous at all about that. <laughs> and this is our cold season, actually. Our warm, our hot season is August and September. And that's where it's quite common for much of the island to, you know, restaurants will just close for a month at a time and people just leave and go visit. Yeah, you have to get in the water several times a day to like cool your body heat down. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. 
Well, um, a lot of you know, um, if, you, if you've been following us on Instagram and, um, and our, our blog, is that I was introduced to Trisha through her book, Miss Bitch, which I loved. And without giving it away, if you haven't read it, um, because you all should, and we'll also link to that down in the show notes, is that the character goes through some heartache, but decides to travel the world and go on some adventures. But when I finished it, and read that it was based on your story, I was like, what? (laughs) And that it was the first book I had read of yours. And I was just so excited. And I didn't know at that time that you had other series, but that book was based on your story, right? (laughs) Yes, it was. And so you had written many books before that, but what, what sort of, what that, that was not your first standalone, but what made you decide to, to write that book? So it's, you know, with writing in series, you kind of have your worlds that you've built and, you know, your cast of characters and you kind of get into sort of a rhythm and you know what the next book's going to be about or you know where you want to see your characters go. And with writing this story, it was just a, I guess I would call it a book of my heart. Mm-hmm. And almost sort of a soul cleanse in some ways, because I did go through a really difficult period of my time or of my life after um, my divorce and also some difficulties with family members, as well as trying to start my life over. And when I went through all of that, it was almost like I opened the door to a new life and new beginnings and uh, was willing to take risks, but it almost flooded me. It happened all so fast that mm-hmm. there was, it was like rapid fire change. And part of writing this book was also me processing what I had gone through, both good and bad in the couple years prior. And so it was sort of, it was a book for me, but also I thought it was something that would help other people as well um, who are going through similar difficult times and knowing that you just kind of got to go through it to get out yeah. of it. right 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 I think it um the reason that and and sort of the reason we wanted to have you on this podcast and when we started when we when we started the podcast and we sort of had this series of having guests on is when we talk about someone being a spark in our life is someone who just goes after the lifestyle that that they want and 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 Mm -hmm. just their passion and they're living their life and just doing it. And we feel like that's what you're doing. I know that you weren't always, I mean, you may have always written, but you weren't always an author, I guess. So Mm -hmm. what were you, I know a little bit about your story of how you started writing, but what, what were you doing before that you, you, you were a published author? So before that, I was working in the legal industry as a paralegal, and then I was finishing my master's degree in mediation and dispute resolution. So entirely different than writing, you know, romance and mermaids and paranormal. Right. And um, it was all of this kind of happened, you know, a few years before I started writing officially, but there was, I think it was like the 2007, 2008 crash. And so a lot of people got laid off in all of the law firms and everything. And so I was one of those that was laid off and I had started taking, I just said, I'm going to take any job that comes my way. I'll, I'll do temp agencies. I'll finish out my master's degree. I will do part-time marketing gigs. I mean, I was very much 
just I'm going to open myself to any opportunity while, you know, sort of the while I'm finishing out my schooling and things rebound. And then um, in that time, I was also I had gotten married and we had adopted a dog and my dog got stolen. And so that was ended up being my very first book. So my dog was stolen. And after about three weeks and there's this kind of incredible sort of story um, where there was like death threats and psychic interventions and all this stuff, we not only rescued another dog on the way, but we, our dog was returned to us. And so there was something inside me that really compelled me to write this story. Now I had no background education in creative writing or anything like that, but it was very much, I just needed to tell the story. And so I went into it thinking, all right, I'm going to write this book. And if I can raise some money for animal shelters or awareness of what people can do when they're in the same situation, then I, then I will consider, you know, pat on the back. I've done something to contribute to helping animals and the world. And so I did. um, And then I kind of did a, I wrote the book. I had a little line in the sand, a kind of like drop date of if no agents or traditional publishers wanted this book, I was going to teach myself self-publishing because that's when it was just kind of up and coming. Right. It was still sort of brand new to the world. And so I just went on online forums and I just started teaching myself how to do it. And I just went forward with it. And again, it was, I'm just going to do this with the intent to, because I donate all of the proceeds of that book to animal shelters. So it's like, I just. Oh, do you still? Yeah, I still do. Um, Okay. And it doesn't sell the same as others. And it's, again, it's my first book. So my writing has grown much stronger since then, but I always donate. I donate in general, like the majority of my donations are going to animal organizations all over the world. So we're very focused in that area. But um, so I did, I self-published it. I treated it as uh, professionally as I could from the beginning with, you know, a good cover and a website. And I had, you know, a book signing at a local bookstore and a launch. And um, it kind of cruised along for a little bit after that. It wasn't, it didn't knock it out of the park until I really taught myself some advertising. So within nine months, I think it was of publishing that book, it hit the New York Times bestseller list. And that's when things changed for me because now I was getting approached about what else are you going to write? So here I'm stuck a little bit because obviously, well, hopefully, you know, my dog isn't getting stolen again. And the book was (laughs) a narrative nonfiction. So it took me a good year or two after that to give myself permission to write the type of books that I like to read, which are brain candy, escape type books where you're, you know, just cruising through them while you're at the beach or Mm -hmm. any of those kind of really light escape books that make you feel good at the end. And those are the books that I just devour. And so I was in Ireland and woke up from a dream, wrote it down on the paper, you know, a little pad of paper next to the bed. And that's what became the Mystic Cove series, which is my best-selling series to date. Wow. Okay. It was definitely a bit of a journey to get to sort of finding uh, my feet in this industry, but a lot of it was also giving myself permission to, you don't have to write, you know, because I came from the legal field. So it's always like corporate and business and stuff like that and giving myself to write something so 
you know, fanciful and whimsy and, and love and romance and light. And so once I got out of my own way, then things started flowing for me. Once you started writing that series, did you then feel like, okay, now I, I am, I am where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is what I was supposed to be doing all along. Not quite like, so there's with, I think with any artist, we have imposter syndrome. Yep. <laughs> so even yeah. with every book I write, and it usually happens smack dab in the middle of each book, I am convinced that, well, this is the worst thing I've ever written. Nobody's going to read this. This is horrible. Why am I even doing this? And so it's still to this day, it, I mean, you, I think people think that authors who now have a career like I do are, you know, super competent and know exactly where their next book's going and they know that their readers are going to love it. And that's not true. <laughs> so you're right. always questioning if you can continue um, meeting reader expectations, if you can continue creating worlds that draw the reader in. And, you know, we as artists really care about what we're making. So sure. Um, yeah, no, it took a bit, I think, before I got at least a little bit more confident in my direction and making choices of where I wanted my books to go and what my series I wanted them to look like. So it's, I mean, I'm just, I just finished, I think my, maybe my 32nd novel. I just took it off to the editor on Friday. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, that's something to be really proud of. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I don't think I always, I, I don't think I always realize or step back sometimes to appreciate those accomplishments because you get very yeah. focused on what's next, what's your next schedule, what's your next deadline. And so, yeah, yeah. but it did, it did, it took a little bit to kind of, I think, hit my stride where I felt a little more confident. You're, you're saying that not, not taking time to appreciate. And we had Sutanya Dakers, who is, she has a podcast and she's getting ready to publish her first book. It's a memoir this summer. And she was on the podcast and she was saying, yeah, and I, I have an agent. She goes, I have an agent. I have an agent. Like it was a big deal. And so I was, when you're saying that, I was thinking, you know, you're, you're in how many books. And I think that, yeah, you're in this many books and published and all that. And, you, and then there's someone like her who's just so excited she has an agent. And so, yeah, I think that you definitely should start appreciating some of those. I, actually, I don't have an agent. You don't? Oh, you don't have an agent. <laughs> I well, you know what? Bill, Bill Murray does not have an agent. So, you know, by choice. So there I, you go. I am not opposed to having one, but thus far, some of the um, agents that I've spoken to have said to me, you're already doing most of what we would do for you. Yeah, so then there's no point. There couldn't be agents that could be really helpful with like foreign translations or, per, you know, sort of the dream of every reader or writer is maybe getting a book into a movie or a TV show. But that's that's yeah virtually impossible these days. Um, yeah. So no, no, I, I think agents really do have their uses, but I just, I've just been running my own publishing house and just, I barreled ahead. Like once I took the reins, that yeah. was it. Like I just, I do it all. So, and yeah. I have a team that helps me with it, of course, but something else funny about him that was like, um, I think he doesn't, like, you have to call a special phone number. Yes. A special like 1-800 number. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is even better. I just love the, 
we're in the, we're in the era of leaning in to being available. Yes. <laughs> like mm, no. So you live on a Caribbean island and you travel and mm -hmm. and you're writing and that's your job. How do you stay focused to meet deadlines? for a book. I mean, it seems like, I mean, I live, I live on the coast on the beach and I, you know, I write blogs and I have deadlines for brands and things like that, but, and it's hard for me. So I can't mm -hmm. imagine having to write a book. So how do you stay focused to meet these deadlines for books? The way I look at it is that, well, one, I am deadline driven. And so it's one of those, sometimes I don't, I've been switching the way I write recently in the past year and a half to try to be consistent in writing less each day, but it makes me more efficient. So I'm not, you know, doing 12 hour days up to that deadline. Uh -huh. um, but because for the longest time, that's just, it was like, you know, in university when you've got the exam in the morning, like yep. that's me working and you're cramming. <laughs> yeah. Second. yeah. Um, but I pay my editors. I pay my book cover designers. I mean, these are all people that are part of my team. And if they have planned on, you know, February 18th, they're getting this manuscript in and they're going to be billing me for it and I will be paying them that month, they are relying on that for their family, for their income, for their mortgage, for their, you know, whatever mm. they need it for. I mean, this is something that's particularly a lot of these editors or designers or translators that I'm using or narrators, they all also run their own businesses. So it's not right. like they're employed by, they have a guaranteed salary through the year. And so I look at that as my responsibility as someone who is paying them that I have to meet that deadline because I have no idea what they have to pay that month and what they've allocated those funds for. So sure. that's one of those things that really keeps me tight on my deadlines. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. When other people are depending on you, that completely mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You have this theme of strong women in your books. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? Is that, is it because <laughs> of your background or, or is that, I mean, I'm guessing that's by choice. Yes. So it's something that I've always admired and it's something that I've always bumped my head against because I am a strong woman. I am someone who often people will use the word, you know, intimidating or controlling or bossy or whatever. And instead it can just be assertive or knows what she wants or mm -hmm. stands for herself, you know? And so I was, you know, in a lot of situations where my voice was not being heard. And I did have a few people in my life who very much were said, you know, appreciated strong women and said that to me that like, don't lose that side of you because you, your voice matters as much as any others. And so I like to reflect that in my books, but I also like to show that every strong person in general, whatever their gender also has vulnerabilities and questions themselves. And being strong doesn't mean that you aren't vulnerable or you don't hurt or you don't have, you don't second guess yourself. But I right. think strong means that you still stand for yourself and push through whatever is pressing against you to or holding you back. And so I try to write that into my characters because I think more women, I mean, most of my characters are women, but again, yeah. for any gender, I think no, most people need to hear that you can be sad and scared 
and still go do the thing that makes you amazing also. You're talking about that. I'm going to go back to when you were talking about imposter syndrome. I feel like that that's coming up in, in so many conversations lately, especially with women. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, it, it just, it just made me think, I, I wonder how many men have issues with that. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just sitting here thinking when you just said it, I thought I was just yesterday having this conversation with a female mm-hmm. and recently having this conversation with another woman mm-hmm. um, about imposter syndrome and I'm just wondering how many men have issues with it. I, I don't I, know. I sometimes feel like women are waiting for someone to give them permission to go do the thing they want to do when they just mm-hmm. need to, to do it. And because I don't think men always are looking for the permission. They're just like, oh, I'm going to go do the thing. And whatever the risk is, you know, I'm going to go do the thing because a lot of times it's just expected or it's something that they've been conditioned. They can just go give it a try and see what happens where women sometimes get more of a backlash for taking risks. Yeah. That being said, I will say within my author community and we have a very, we have a pretty strong community. I will say for artists, I don't know whether that's necessarily true because I think both genders or whatever, you know, however people identify, um, have that imposter syndrome syndrome which okay. is, I think, goes across the board with a creative in general i think okay. people question their work or question okay. whether they should be doing their work or question whether it's good enough and so that's i think that's like a couple different things between like being a creative and then running a business and those are two different hats if you want to be in this industry and be yeah. successful at it those are two different hats you have to wear so maybe in your creative side you're feeling great about it, but then maybe you're not confident enough or able to take the risk enough to do the business side of it. Right. That's an entrepreneur. Two different areas. Right. I think, but right. Right. I agree with you that um, sometimes it does feel like you need permission to play, to play in the game. How much do you traditionally travel out of the year? So we are, uh, our long-term goal, we are moving towards a, a lifestyle we'd like to be maybe six months on island six months off um, okay right now it's been a lot of it has been trips for work or to see family when we can travel so that's only been a couple months out of the year broken up through the year and then we're trying to get back into a little bit longer trips when we can but even so we've got dogs and so for me a longer trip at most is like three and a half weeks i won't ever leave them too much longer than that. But so the tricky thing is, is that we are not quite the hub of uh, airlines. And so when we travel, we really have to think you're, we're bouncing around a lot more. So you want to make where you're going matter. But it was part of travel in general, as well as for my fiance has been something that's that's sort of the carrot that we're working for. And that's the, those experiences are what we use to really enrich our lives. And so it's one why I put my books in really beautiful destinations. Yeah. Initially I did that um, because I could business expense going to research there. Oh, (laughs) that's smart. You can write in small town Ohio, or you can write in small town Ireland. Yes. To Ireland. But that it was is also, so smart. 
why I did in my tequila series, my, uh, those are my like humorous mystery series. Uh-huh. I that in the Florida Keys because I made up a fictional town called Tequila Key. And at the time I had set that up because that's where I was doing my long-term, what do I want my life to look like planning? So this was years and years ago. And so I thought, okay, eventually, like I love scuba diving. So where mm-hmm. can I go? in the United States that has good scuba diving. So is it really going to be California or the Keys? And so, okay, well, I'll start working the way towards the Keys and maybe I'll never be able to live there, but maybe I can go there part of the year as I get more successful and maybe spend a few months there writing. And like, that was sort of the goal that I started working towards. Right. Um, And obviously that's come into fruition in an entirely different way for me (laughs) with the Caribbean now. But what I did back then which for me, I think would speak to a lot of uh, your followers is I didn't put a money goal on what motivated me. Mm -hmm. I said, what do I want my perfect day to look like? So this was years ago. This was back when I was living in Wisconsin, cold winters, everything. And I wrote that I wanted my perfect day to be, I live somewhere where I could get up and go scuba diving. I could grab an iced coffee and I could write in the afternoons. And I kept it really simple, but I was, how do I want my every single day to look? Like, do I want to be getting up and going into a corporate office every day? Do I want to be living in a fabulous city somewhere? Like, I just went through, like, what do I want my actual day-to-day to look like? Yeah. And then work towards that because it doesn't matter, you know, 500,000 million, whatever the money in the bank, you're, it's only going to make you happy to a point. And then you're always going to say, what's next, what's next. Whereas your actual, how you're living your life is so much more impactful on your day to day. And so that was, that's been my goal all along. And I've, and I've reached that now, like that's been, that's the, that's the life I now live. Like it, you know, I started publishing in 2012 and here I am like, this is, this is my goal and this is what I think. So (laughs) that is wonderful. Mental wellness is something we talk a lot about here on Orner Ventures, which is great. It should be part of the daily conversation. Mental wellness is important. We wanted to share a resource that we love, have used and refer to others. It is a game changer in helping you find a therapist to match your specific needs. Full transparency, I remember being at one of my lowest points a few years ago, desperate for help, needing a therapist who had a specific skill set. I'd been calling around, Googling, trying to make a connection with someone who could help me. No one understood the level of grief I was experiencing. And when I finally called my local crisis and assessment center, thinking they could help me, I couldn't get help there either. Here's the thing. Finding a therapist should not be this difficult. We have found a wonderful resource that takes all of the difficulty away from matching you with a therapist to fit your specific needs and preferences. It's Mental Health Match. Mental Health Match literally takes the stress out of finding a therapist by answering just a few questions. It's free to use, takes minutes, and is the easiest way to find a therapist. You can choose therapy approaches, topics to tackle, skills you want to learn, and if there are traits about a therapist that are important to you, you can choose those too. 
If price is a concern, you can choose insurance, no insurance. You can search that route as well. You can also find therapy options for in-person or virtual. Once you have your therapist matches, you can choose whether or not you want to share your information or contact them on your own. Like I said, I've used this. We've shared this with friends and family who have used this option. It's such an easy process. We encourage you to give it a try. Finding someone to talk to is so important in maintaining mental wellness. Visit mentalhealthmatch.com to find a therapist that is the best match for you. It's the easiest way to find a therapist. I mean, you're just living the life. That's great. Okay, so you have a uh, several series of books and you have three standalones. And the most recent was last summer's One Way Ticket, which again, mm-hmm. I loved. And I... Uh, finished it speaking of the keys on the plane on the way to key west (laughs) Uh uh-huh and it was so timely this is this could be a whole other story my dad is uh in the hemingway look-alike society i saw your photos so good (laughs) (laughs) he yeah he's in that he he is still a a pot that you know they call hemingway uh when you win you're a papa because that was his nickname was papa and so um, when you when you win the Hemingway lookalike contest in Key West, you're a papa. And so um, dad is still a papa wannabe. So um, we still go every year. And we're going to go in July. But anyway, I finished it on the way there and I loved it. But um, it was so timely when it came out because people were still not a lot of people had gone to the the contest because it was still, you know, kind of iffy okay. about travel. Yeah, yeah. COVID. Um, but I think it was really timely because people wanted to read a book like that about travel and Mm -hmm. they were still so excited and people were still a little bit fearful about getting out and traveling. Uh, so do you, I love those, those types of books. And so do you plan on writing more standalone books like that? So I, that's funny you ask. I just outlined one yesterday Oh, um, and so I'm, I'm actually going to wait and see with my schedule. So I'm, I'm releasing, I'm starting a new series that I, the first book comes out in May. And so I was thinking I have a tendency to bounce between series, like just like, Oh, shiny new thing. And I'm going to write over here and I'm going to write in this world and I'll go visit Siren Island and right there. And uh-huh. um, so I think what I'm going to do is, the responsible part of me would be to write like the first three books in this series right in a row. So this is an Irish spinoff series uh-huh. and just get those out for sales. And to, so people, it's kind of like when you're watching Netflix and you want to, you want to watch, you want to read a bunch, not just uh-huh. one. But I think what I'm going to do is it's uh, another kind of Island escape standalone that I think would be so much fun. It's like, uh, the show like Shit's Creek meets the movie Overboard kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. And so I was having a ton of fun with it. And I think what I might do is play with it in the background while I'm working on the other ones as just a no pressure project. So no deadline, no anything, but like when I want kind of a brain cleanse from the other world that I'm working on, go play in that. So I definitely oh. yeah, I think there will be another one on the way. It's just I'm not putting any pressure on myself of yeah. when when I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice escape for you to write. And it's a nice escape for people to read it too. So yeah. that's, that's convenient for everybody. 
Well, we uh, we always put out um, an email to our um, audience, letting them know who we're recording with. And so we had some questions okay. um, that if, if you're okay with us okay. asking you some questions. Okay. So um, we picked a few of them and um, these are really fun. So the first one is how often do you scuba dive? Because you're a big scuba diver. Mm -hmm. How often do you scuba dive, and would you ever write an autobiography about your experiences in the sea? Um, I don't know about an autobiography. Maybe, maybe I need you know, in a couple more decades of scuba diving to really bring <laughs> in like the best of the experiences. Um, right. But I do, I dive a lot. Um, I this past month or two, not as much as usual because we've just been really just busy, unfortunately. But um, so typically I ended up moving more towards night diving because then I can get ah. my work day done. And at night there's so many more interesting um, little critters out. And that's, so it's a much more macro life. And I'm always on mm. the hunt for, we call them, they're nudibranchs. So either if you know it, you know it, you don't, but they're, they're really no. fancy. They're like fancy underwater slugs. <laughs> oh, and they're really fun to photograph and learning to photograph at night and something incredibly small has been a challenge that it's been really good for my brain because it's like a different type of being creative and without putting any sort of pressure on it. Um, I do have a what we call a reader magnet, which is a download of a bunch of my underwater photos that my reader my readers love these photos and so it's like a I put it at a couple at the end of a couple of my mermaid books and I call it mermaid view and it's just a free download if people sign up for my newsletter okay um, and it just has a bunch of those photos but I don't I don't think I want to put the pressure on myself of changing something that's a passion and something I really enjoy into yeah. making it a business yeah and so for me no I probably won't ever write a book but yeah, I'm, I'm in the water a lot and usually at night, which is when most people are scared to go in. <laughs> I was going to say it would be a little a little scary to me. I, I don't know why. I've said before, you know, we I walk Betty down to the ocean every day and and I love it. And and I can walk and it, it's gorgeous. And I look at it and I see, you know, so we will see dolphins in the mornings and stuff. And and then I walk down there at night and I it's still like pretty. But I look at it and I go, hmm, I wonder what's down under there. Yeah, like it just looks and, scarier. I don't know why. I don't know why. But well, different different things are out at night and different feeding cycles. So you know, definitely sharks and stuff like that will feed more at night, depending. Yeah. Um, but it's to me, it's like being on the moon because you only see what's in your in your torch and your light under the water, and it really brings your focus in. And it's cool. I mean, I actually just discovered a a nudie brain here that hasn't been recorded in the Caribbean. And they like, they've put it in the national museum of like the photos of it in the what? museum of in the Netherlands. And it's coming out. Did they credit of you? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm a scientist now. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, we'll, link, we'll link your newsletter um, in the show notes so that that person too can, can definitely sign up for that if they haven't um, just in case. And if anybody else is interested, um, I love this next question. You have said you believe in mermaids. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen anything that you couldn't explain in the ocean or anywhere else? 
Or do you just like to be more imaginative about the paranormal? Well, there's always on, on almost every night dive, I come home and have to look something up. So, I mean, there's constantly stuff that I am seeing and looking at and going like, there's just the ocean's got a lot of really cool, but also really weird stuff. And so, yeah, well, you know, always come home and be looking through my photos and pulling up books and trying to find out what stuff is. And um, as well as sometimes just the mannerisms of certain fish that are interacting in weird ways that you've never seen before. However, when it comes to actually believing in mermaids, yes, I do. I know that sounds ridiculous, but the ocean is massive. And these myths have gone on for hundreds upon thousands of years of sailors and people who by the water are seeing things they cannot explain. So I think I kind of liken it to aliens. I was going to say, just like space, just like space. Just like space. I mean, I'm not saying that 100% there are mermaids, but I'm saying there's a lot we still don't know about the ocean. And you yeah. see these deep, uh, you know, the science explorers who are watching those like 3000 foot cameras and then you get like those really weird whatever ocean things swimming in front of the camera and all the scientists are like whoa what's that yeah 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 (laughs) I'm like you know maybe one of these days it might be a mermaid so I'm choosing to be hopeful yeah maybe one day (laughs) yeah something amazing like that (laughs) yeah oh I love that Okay. And then you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but as a writer, do you feel stuck in a certain genre or do you ever feel like you could write a series about something completely different or want to, and how, how would your audience respond? So I am sort of, um, I do not follow the rules and a lot of what I do with publishing and, um, a lot of my author friends kind of laugh at me for this because a lot of them just brand exactly their series and they stay in their lane and that is what they write and that is what they they're known for. So a good example of this would be Nora Roberts. And then uh-huh. she also writes as JD Robb. She writes the in-depth series. So that's with like Eve and Rourke and it's like set in a hundred years from now in the future. And it's a cop, it's a cop series. Uh-huh. And so she's same author, but she's completely divided. Whereas I write I have a couple narrative nonfictions. I have paranormal romance. I have cozy mystery and I have contemporary romance and I've put all them under the all same under name. name and yeah. drag my readers along with me. Like, this is what I feel like writing. And if you like it, read it. And if it's not your jam, then read one of my other series. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, sometimes I do feel a little like, would it have been smarter or better for me to, you know, stay in the lane and follow the advice of what everyone else was doing. But I've found my own success and I get to write what I want to write. So yeah. at this point, my I have enough of a following and enough readers who will take a chance on the next thing that I'm writing. They're just willing to follow me wherever I go. So um no, I don't I don't think I feel as stuck the way some authors might. But the alternative to that is if you really, really want to write, say, post-apocalyptic and you know your romance readers aren't going to read it, you just pick a pen name. Yeah. Do you, um, do you, did this person that asked this, I'm just curious, do you feel like you have a different audience for one series than the other? Or do you feel like they all kind of cross over? People will cross over, um, but they have 
fan favorites. I actually just did a survey with my readers recently, and there is definitely a dividing line of people who really want more in one world versus some of my others. But I think because a lot of my series all have carry the similar element of light, fun, magical, if it's a mystery or if it's a romance, people are still getting that kind of same feeling. And I right. think that's probably the uniting factor across most of my books. Okay. Okay. So now we have the rapid fire, which is never very rapid fire. We just call it that. (laughs) The first one is sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. Of course. Of course. Or a cliff on Ireland overlooking the water. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Book or audio? Book. I don't even listen to my own audiobooks. Alan put it on in the car once, like we were on a road trip and we were like, let's listen to this. And I was like, oh, stop. I can't. You can't do it. I was like, this is the worst. He's like, it's your book. I'm like, I know, but it's just making me think of all the things I I should have phrased it this way or I could have phrased it this way. Like, turn it off. It's like an actor who can't watch their own film. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Boat or plane? Um... Hmm. The only boats I really like are dive boats. So if I'm like, we just went to the Galapagos with the whale sharks and the hammerheads and we're for an entire week. That was amazing. Yeah. But I, I otherwise plain. Yeah. Okay. Handwritten letter or email? Mm. It depends largely on the subject matter, but email Okay. Also, because where I live, mail is oh. so unreliable. I have gotten birthday cards and Christmas cards a year later. And it costs $100 to ship anything off the island. So mail has gone like the way of it's just not, it's such a not an option. <laughs> Do you even, and, and by the way, we canceled Prime. So it's not like I'm trying to push Amazon. I'm just curious. Do you get Amazon? So what we have to do is we ship it to a... Um, warehouse in Miami they hold Mm -hmm. it for an entire month and you build all your packages up and then they container ship it down oh so there's no there's no like showing up at your door the next day with stuff and then no Amazon Prime right if you (laughs) want it a little bit sooner you can do there's another company that you can have it flown in but it costs more wow but you know what? I mean, I'm the good outweighs the bad. I mean, yes. seriously. It, it definitely, like, one of the things with island living in general is learning to live with inconvenience. And uh-huh. then it also is learning that you don't need as much as you think. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, as like, I find myself getting caught up in wanting to look at the new fashions and the new coats and the new jeans and all that. I don't wear jeans here. I don't wear yeah. coats here. Like, yeah. Anytime I do travel now, I'm like five, six years behind whatever is currently <laughs> fashionable anyway. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's because you dig it out from under your bed and like clean the mold off. Of, you're like, right, right. Back right. it, I I'm, guess we'll have to do. <laughs> right. I'm sitting here thinking how Jerry and I refer to living here as island time. We're like, well, you know, you, you call the plumber. I mean, this is island time. They're never going to get here. But you give a whole new meaning to island time. Like, it's, yeah, you know, it, a whole new meaning. My first year here, I had to 
really adjust my expectations of when things were ever going to get done, whether it was contractors, packages, get going out to eat. So like when we go out to eat now, we take a little travel cribbage board with us. And uh-huh. we, play, we play cribbage while we wait because it'll usually take a full game before the meal comes. And that's the <laughs> island. Like, that's just the way it is. So yeah. Slow living. And get angry about it. Or we have a drink and play a card game. That is, you know what? That's great. That <laughs> is just, I think that's a great way to uh, adjust. Yeah. I wish I could adjust that way. I, I, I hope that one day I do. I think that's a wonderful way to be. I, I still have my moments. I am not going to lie. <laughs> Where is my food? <laughs> okay. Barefoot or shoes? Barefoot. Okay. And this is Jerry's favorite because he says you could tell so much about someone with this. Ketchup or mustard? <laughs> oh, it's tough. Um, well, if it's, American style ketchup. I like oh. ketchup. It's ketchup's different in different countries. Okay. The taste of it is different. So if it's American style ketchup or from the States, I would probably go ketchup, but I do like a mix of ketchup and mustard. I love the mix of ketchup and mustard. That was my answer. I am completely the mix. The mix. Well, you know, I the agree. thing here is you don't get served ketchup and mustard. You get mayonnaise. Like mayo or aioli is the big like dipping sauce. I love aioli. Mm -hmm. Dolphins or sharks? Oh, so both I love. Both Uh are very, um, they're very different in how they interact with you. And particularly depending on the shark. So I'm someone, if you say there's sharks in the water, I'm going in. So Uh I go go spend as much time with and around sharks as I can because I think they're absolutely incredible. Uh-huh. Um, they're so important for our oceans. Like uh-huh. a healthy ocean has sharks and we need healthy oceans. Mm-hmm. Um, dolphins, depending on if they have a baby with them or not, are a little bit more interactive than sharks They're because they're playful. And so they you can interact with them in a different way. Um, you can sing to them underwater <laughs> in your regulator. So you can sing what? and like dance and interact. And if they're in a playful and curious mood, they'll often maybe come over and interact with you. Not always, but sometimes they do because they are, dolphins are very smart. Um, if they have a baby with them, they won't as much. So oh, it's, hard okay. me, it's hard for me to choose between because it's they're entirely different interactions. I figured um, you were going to say, I can't choose. <laughs> That's what I figured you were going to say. I love both. <laughs> I love both. But I will say kind of like, we were talking about earlier with the pit bull advocacy uh-huh. with sharks, because I think more people need yep. to hear how truly incredible and more often than not sharks are scared of you than anything. Yeah. So, um, and this is me coming off of, I just was in the water with hundreds upon hundreds of hammerhead sharks, silky wow. sharks, Galapagos sharks, tiger sharks. Like I have whale sharks. <laughs> Uh, I've had a ton of interaction with sharks and they're absolutely incredible. So I do they let you touch them? You don't touch the wildlife ever. Okay. <laughs> the only the only time you ever would really need to touch a shark is if they are starting to exhibit some of the hunting behaviors, which mm-hmm. maybe if they come and like bump you and they're they're getting curious to what you are, you can give them uh, a little nudge back. Um, okay. But honestly, that's so rare for that to happen. 
Interesting. Um, yeah. No. And okay. same with like, and the whale sharks are so big. You don't, you don't touch them. They'll just, right. you could get hit with a fin and knocked out. And <laughs> right. So, wow. Um, but yeah, if anything, if people take anything away is that sharks are incredible and please stop hating on them. They're not, yeah. scary. they're beautiful. Good PSA. Tequila or whiskey? Ooh, I'm going to go with the, I have to okay. go with <laughs> Okay. Nap in a hammock or a walk on the beach? I'm not a good napper, so I'm going to say either read a book in a hammock or okay. walk on the beach. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then this is the final question, which we think is the most important one. What does a life well lived mean to you? So I've been thinking about that. And I think it kind of goes back to what we had talked about when I was saying like what my day looks like. So ultimately, a life well lived to me means flexibility and freedom. So creating a life where you get to be the one to make choices that are best for you. So for me, that means being able to travel while I work and being able to have these new experiences, particularly with someone I love by my side. And so it really does come down to, I guess, having some sort of, you know, real power over your own destiny and your own direction. Like, and, and coupled with what you said earlier, that you you truly have manifested sort of what what that life well lived is. I think mm-hmm. that you, you have done it, which I think is wonderful. You have a, a book coming up that's in May. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So I actually have a book publishing in March and then I have a okay. book publishing in May. And then I have a pre-order for my mermaid series in October. That's set up. I haven't written that book yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I try to set up pre-orders and have those deadlines ahead of time. So I sort of know where, what I'm looking at writing, you know, in the upcoming year. So this year is going to a little bit different. Um, because we are getting married in Scotland in June. And so Whoa! congratulations. Thank you. Um, it has been delayed for two years yeah. now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Thanks, gonna, COVID. <laughs> yes. We're going to work a little time. Like I'll have to adjust my schedule a little bit around that. But yeah. yeah. Tell our uh, listeners where they can find you. So you can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Trisha O'Malley Author. My website is trishomalley.com. I briefly ventured out into TikTok. I, we'll see how that goes. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's uh, Trish O'Malley Books on TikTok. Okay. And we're going to link all of that in the show notes. And then we're also going to link uh, how they can sign up for your newsletter. And I also love because um, I want to start reading the, the Althea Rose series. Yes, I want to start reading that. Um, (laughs) But I love that you put because I get a little intimidated with what are you supposed to read first, but I love that you you listed how you're supposed to read them, like the order. Yes, I love that. So I'm going to link that too, because I know that that will be a question for people of what do I read first? So I love that um, you did that. So I'm going to link that in the show notes too. So thank you. we are so thankful that you did this and thank you so, so much for, for being on the show. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. This is great. Well, you know what? That was about as relaxing and wonderful as I thought it would be. You know, 
uh, we have interacted with Trisha in emails and sort of, you know, DMs and things like that before, but had never virtually or, or physically met with her. And I just loved her. I thought she was wonderful. I was kind of just totally enthralled by what she was saying. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. So, you know, Jerry, of course, couldn't be part of the, the virtual, you know, uh, podcast recording, but he, when I do the editing and the, the things for the after podcast, Jerry is very much involved. And, you know, after some of these, these podcast recordings, we end up going back through them three and four times, but Jerry has now visually and audibly heard it and seen it a few times. So now he feels like he's met her as well. Yeah, I do. And and it was a case where you let me show you some, some pieces of this. And I said, well, you know, I, I got kind of into it where we, I kind of watched the whole thing all the way through. So Trisha, you know, that, that podcast episode, of course, here we are in what March, we recorded that at the, the end of February, but here we are in, in March and it's, we live on the coast of North Carolina. It's still cold. It was almost 90 where she is. I think it was, she said it was 87 degrees. She yeah. had the AC on, on a Caribbean island, living the dream. You know, it's all about perspective. We all can look at someone else's life and say, oh my God, they're living the dream. I have this sticker actually on my laptop that says the old you would be so proud of this you. I think you can look at you know, where you have been and where you are now. And you can always, you know, think, oh gosh, I'm so glad I am where I am now. And I remember where we would, you know, when we owned our own business and would say, oh God, I just, I remember we always had the goal of one day living by the ocean and here we are. And even on bad days, I try to remember that. It's all about perspective. It is. That's for darn sure. It is. It mm. is. So I think that, um, you know, one of the things, this is where we always talk about some of the things, the takeaways that I did not know is that she donates a portion of the proceeds of her books to animal advocacy groups. I love that. Then her first book of how she got started in writing, you know, was about her own dog um, and the story about her dog was stolen and, you know, her dog was returned to her, thank God. But I, I just, I love the personal aspect of her whole journey. And, you know, she was from the, working in the legal field. And then this, this monumental thing that happened in her life brought her to writing. And I just love when someone has this thing that happens in their life that takes them on a whole new journey. And then they're, you know, I mean, it's just, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, we can relate to that. I mean, who would have thought that we'd be on this journey that we're on now, you know? Yeah. And I must feel that's the the value. I think anybody could get from writing. If, if you you're at a portion of your life where there's a, there's a lot of overwhelm, there's something that big that happened. That's a way to sort through it. You start writing and I, and I, I'm guessing that's what she discovered there. Yeah. That's what she said about mm -hmm. that. All the overwhelm that she was dealing with, like with her divorce and yeah. Um, get it out, get it out of your head and onto paper. And yeah. then, then you, and to actually discover it there and then to continue with that, to realize what a, a, the value of that and to, and to continue it through the rest of your life from that point is, is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we got to know her on a personal level, but it really just made me want to go through the other series that she has of her books and 
you know, I just, I really enjoyed her. I feel that she had, she was a little more low key, possibly than a few of our guests have been. Yeah. And, uh, and that was, but, and that worked out really kind of in a, in a unique way that, you know, we haven't had quite somebody like her yet. Uh huh. For instance, the rapid, fire, the rapid fire, which are never, they're never so rapid they're fire. They're never that rapid fire, but, you know, some people, I try to flow them through, and then some uh, people usually try to flow, flow them through too. And with her, you could tell that everyone was pretty well thought out. <laughs> and I like that. I she do would, too. She would break them down and go, okay, let me tell you about sharks and dolphins. And we got this really cool little breakdown yeah. of each one. And I thought, this is funny. It's, uh, it was really cool. Her, th- this entire podcast was so much more um, than her just being a spark in our life. It was so much more of a learning experience about so much more, so much more than, than just that. It was about Caribbean life. It was about sea life. It was about um, how you, you know, get inspired about writing and it was about self-publishing and it was about just so many things. Yeah. I felt I'm halfway on my way to some sort of amateur certificate on oceanography <laughs> with what she described. I, I yeah. Where could I carry this knowledge? You know? Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I really love about her too, is of course, you know, no matter what you're, you're into, you, you were just talking about how she is sort of a different laid back plane than some of the other guests that we've had. She truly is. I mean, the beach reads, the escape reads. We love that she's all about travel and adventure. And and that's what I love about her. And she really sort of makes my blood pressure kind of go down a little bit. It's just in a good way. Just makes me relax. Her books just um, puts me in just sort of a, instead of being so amped and anxiety ridden, it just puts me in just an escapism. Good place. A great balance for what my actions do to your blood pressure. (laughs) I think we found the the balance there. Trisha O'Malley, stay in our lives. Yes. And if you want a heads up on our guests (laughs) prior to recording, you can be on our VIP list, which by the way, is just our newsletter list. We'll put a link down in the show notes and then that way you can get a heads up on who is coming up with our recordings and you can submit questions so that you can ask our guests questions so that we can pick some of those and we can ask them on the recording episodes. And if you want to know more about Trisha O'Malley and any of her books or anything that she has coming up, we're going to put that down in the show notes too. You can always find us at arneradventures.com on Instagram at arneradventures, also linked in the show notes. So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. Bye.